You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. The list goes on and on. Pick up the phone and give me a call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. couple things. It's uh, January. It's a new year. It's always a great time to kind of hit the reset button, look back over at 2016, what worked, what didn't work. Um, I, I'm predicting that 2017, we are going to see more changes in the trucking industry than I think any other year in the last 30. There are lots of new technologies that are right on what's called the tipping point. And I just think we're going to see some major changes. What they are, not sure yet. I have some predictions. I have some ideas. I think the the most important thing is you keep your eyes and your mind open. Keep your eyes open to what's going on. Keep your mind open to what's possible because we are seeing some crazy technology just stuff I wouldn't have imagined for at least another decade, and it's already being tested in the real world. Some really disruptive technologies. Now, you know, I talked a couple months ago about this 30-year cycle, and, it, and it's been proven in almost any industry that around every 30 years, it's not to the year, it's not exact, but it's a pretty solid pattern when you look at it there is a major disruption and it holds very true in trucking. You can go back to the invention of the diesel engine was the first major disruption in transportation. Then we had the highway system in the 50s and then we had deregulation in the 80s, 30 year cycles. We are in the middle of that 30 year cycle now, would have hit around 2010. We started seeing new technologies, and I think we're right on the verge of a major disruption in trucking, and I think it's going to be technology that is the disruptor. The The thing to keep in mind, when we have these major disruptions, there are big losers. There are companies that have been around for decades, and they go out of business because they can't They don't see the change coming or they don't react to the change and they're just gone. Uh, If you look at deregulation, there were big trucking companies prior to deregulation. There are only a couple of them that made it through, literally just a couple of the big ones that made it through deregulation. On the other hand, major disruptions always bring in new success stories. So people will go out of businesses, companies will disappear, new companies will move in. 
Amazon, believe it or not, is going to be a big name in trucking sometime soon. I count on it. Um, you're going to see new companies that we've never heard of before start uh, making big changes in trucking. So keep your eyes open. Keep your mind open. Another thing it looks like so far, um, this is a pretty brutal winter. Uh, everywhere you look is getting hammered over and over. Uh, I've been in the gorge here in Oregon since 2012, and I always tell people we hardly ever get snow here. Once a year, it's gone in a day or two. Pretty normal. We have been getting pounded for two weeks now. There's snow everywhere. Lots and lots of roads being shut down. 84 has been closed in Oregon. I-5 has been closed for multiple hours, many, many hours. If you didn't get prepared before winter, don't wait. Get prepared now. Who knows how long this is going to last? Certainly looks like a pattern. Make sure you've got some emergency food in the truck, water, warm clothes, entertainment, whatever you might need. Um, think of safety and surviving first. Safety, staying warm. You might want to look at things like um, emergency blankets that they make. Uh, there's just there's the cool thing is with all the interest in prepping for the end of the world scenario. There's lots and lots of cool products available. They're not very expensive. In fact, we are considering putting together um, kind of a, a survival kit for a truck. Uh, let me know if you'd be interested in something like that because it's it's a fairly big job for us here, but we could get it together, sell it all as one kit, put it in our store. Uh, but I'd like to see if there's some interest in something along those lines. Uh, it, it, certainly, if you can get through on the air, let me know. If not, send an email to support at letstruck.com. Let's, uh, you know what, let's get to some phone calls, see what it is you want to talk about tonight. We're going to start off in Iowa. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I've got a question. If your outside temperature sensor is disconnected, is that connected to the ECM, and would it uh, affect your fuel mileage if it was disconnected? Uh, I am not going to be able to answer that accurately. Um, that would be a great question for the power hour tomorrow. Those guys know what all the sensors do, what information they feed. What I would say is that it's possible. The problem is we have to identify because some trucks have an outside temperature sensor and all it's for is to show you the temperature. In that case, no, it's right. not going to affect anything. But there are other sensors on the truck that could be adjusting the ECM for temperature. I just don't know which ones, what models, trucks. But um, the guys from Pittsburgh Power would be able to answer that better than I could. All right. I'll, I'll try again tomorrow. Uh, like, I know there's a temperature, fuel temperature sensor on, on the uh, on the cat. But uh, now what happened, my son's mirror got damaged and... Uh, he just put an aftermarket uh, mirror on, uh, and I think it's affecting his fuel mileage. Anyway, another question I have, his operation, he runs a four-axle bulk tank, 130,000 gross, and uh, he recently replaced his scan gauge, and that helped him. He, he was struggling to get 
four, eight, five. Um, uh, without the scan gauge, he's back up to five point seven five. Definitely. Oh, good. You tried. You tried. Uh, I was talking about running in sixteenth because it's the direct year. He's got three five fives and uh, double over eighteen. Um, so when he runs at sixteenth uh, at fifty five miles an hour, that gives him around sixteen hundred RPM. Now in his case, he's going to be needing tires in the spring. Would it make any sense for him to go to 24.5? Like, I know the 22 is lower rolling resistance, but in his case, he would be able to drive in the 16th gear and still be able to drive a little bit faster with a little bit of RPM. What are your thoughts on that? You know, that's a tough call. Um, you know, driving in direct with 355s is, is difficult. 16's a little high. I mean, he can certainly play around with it and scan gauge and see. He might want to try 17th at that speed, play around, see which one he gets better fuel economy in. I wouldn't try the 245s. It, it, at very best, all we ever see is kind of a break even. You know, your rolling resistance goes up, your RPMs go down. Um, if you're already in a good spot, like say 1500 and you try this, you'll actually lose fuel economy. I have a feeling best scenario, he's about going to end up even. So it's not worth changing. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. Well, anybody listening, definitely get the scan gauge because he was lost without his, his, uh, his cord got damaged. So he had to replace it and, uh, he never realized how much he missed it until he got it replaced. And, uh, what a difference he saw just in the, the first week that he agreed. Excellent. It would be the best, best $200 you'll ever spend. Excellent. Thanks for the feedback on that. I really appreciate it. I, I agree. Uh, as long as I drove and all the work I did on fuel economy, and I still love driving with the scan gauge. And, and when I don't have it, my fuel economy drops off. Let's go to – let me look at the clock. You know what? I think I'm going to take us into a break. We are just about into a break. I'll take us through that and we'll get to more of your calls and questions right around the corner. Uh, if you're interested in the scan gauge that is in our store, we can ship that right out to you. It is less than $200. Great, great device. People tend to pick up about a half mile per gallon average, which means it pays for itself in weeks. And it's got tons of information. If you have a truck that's lacking gauges, this has got dozens of new gauges in it. Once plug it in, 200 bucks, plug it into your truck, teaches you how to get better fuel economy, gives you all kinds of additional gauges you may not have right now, does a little bit of diagnostics as far as codes. Can't beat it. Pick one up. Let's truck.com. We'll be right back. Stick around. Kevin Robinson.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Oklahoma. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What's I on your mind today? I got my fit test back. Just got my fit okay. test back. Um, yeah, Brittany didn't get my information out, so I don't think you have it in front of you. Um, the main things that I have uh, are casein, cow's milk, eggs, uh, gluten, which I got questions about the gluten, and shrimp. And so I'm, I'm figuring shellfish altogether. Uh, yeah, probably because I, um, I see down there as well. You say what on it as well? I, down on the two plus reaction, I see crab as well. So yeah, shellfish seems like a good, good guess. Right. Um, as far as casein and cow's milk, uh, would that include butter? It does include butter, but not ghee. Ghee is clarified butter. So milk has a lot of casein. Butter doesn't have quite as much, and ghee virtually has none. So it, it's spelled G-H-E-E. Okay. It's, it's a clarified butter. Yep. And you, yeah, it's great stuff. I use a ton of ghee to cook with. It's got a very high smoke point. I love cooking with it. Yeah, you can put it in your bulletproof coffee. Um, so if you do bulletproof mm -hmm. coffee, you're reacting to casein. That's what you want to use. because, And you've got what I refer to as the big three. You are reacting to dairy eggs and gluten they're like the big three it's hard to get through a day without eating those no gluten you know I, i've been telling everybody just everybody should avoid gluten that's a problem for all of us when you show up I and, and i think they've been sneaking it in on me they do it's everywhere i mean it, it is so hard to avoid when you eat out if you don't ask for an ingredient label on every component on the plate you are going to end up getting gluten somewhere. One of the things I recommend, obviously you try to avoid it. You, you don't eat bread, you don't eat pasta, you don't eat the obvious stuff. But if you're eating out, you're getting it in condiments, you're getting it in coatings, you're getting it in sauces, you're getting it as just all kinds of crazy ingredients. So what I recommend is if you're sensitive to it, and you are, you're reacting to it, um, I would carry glutarase with you. And any time that you eat out, I would just pop one. If you know that you're getting some gluten and you just say, well, I'm going to do it anyway, then you want to take a couple. And it will really help cut down the reaction. And it, it's not so much just some people will say, well, I might be reacting, but I feel fine. Yeah, but if you're reacting, there could be gut damage happening. And that's what we want to avoid because the more you damage the gut, the more foods you will start to react to. We, we really, we shouldn't react to any of these foods. Gluten we should because that, that was never meant to be our food. We didn't evolve eating gluten. So, but the other things like eggs and egg yolks, we should not have a problem with those. And when we do, it's usually an indication we've got some leaky gut. And that's why we want to minimize these foods and protect against that damage. Yeah, I'm pretty disappointed with the eggs because now I can't make my my mayo anymore. So, I uh, you know, I I agree. And what I would try is I would do a 30 day really restrictive diet. Make sure you and the good news is you have a short list, so I don't think you've got a lot of damage. 
you're just responding again to the big three, the, the three hardest to get away from. Um, but I think if you were to do a really strict 30-day elimination diet with some gut healing, that you may be able to bring the eggs back in. For one, they're only a two-plus reaction. That's not that bad. I don't worry too much about those, but I would eliminate them for, say, 30 days and do some gut healing, maybe some bone broth, some IPS, some of those things, collagelatin and the bulletproof. And then, you know, you have two options. I hate to tell people to just retest after 30 days because it's expensive. Um, you may just want to see how you feel after 30 days and then reintroduce some eggs and see if you notice anything. Well, I've got a pretty bad uh, case of eczema, so it's it'll be pretty obvious ah. and quick <laughs> to find yep. out what's going to yeah. be bothering me. Well, and, but I, and what surprised me a nice indicator because if you if you eliminate this stuff for thirty days, do some gut healing, and then it goes away, that'd be awesome. If you eat one of these foods and it comes back, then you absolutely know. Right. Yeah, I, I was doing some little bit of reading, and I guess you can't even uh, get like hamburgers in restaurants uh, because they use wheat in, they put wheat in the damn burger to make the patties. They will use breadcrumbs to extend the burger. Yeah, it happens. That too. You know, there are plenty of restaurants that don't do that, but you've got to be careful. Yeah, well, it definitely eliminates like, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, Denny's. <laughs> You know, you they got to be putting stuff in there. You know, he, there there's a lot of good research online. If you want to look up a specific restaurant, if you dig enough, you can usually find that information. Um, I know that before I eat out, especially at like a big chain, like a PF Chang's or something like that, if I'm going to eat out and I know it ahead of time, I'll go look up, you know, menu items and ingredients and that kind of stuff. If you have time, you can usually find a lot of information so you know what dishes are safe. Well, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to have to do that definitely now because I was surprised that the gluten popped up because I haven't intentionally eaten wheat for almost a year and a half now. So it's, yeah, they're yeah. sneaking it in on me. Yeah, there are some. There are some cross reactions that could be causing this. Actually, people who react to gluten, it's very common for them to react to eggs as well. That is a really common, um, it's not really a cross reaction, but it's a similar reaction. But my guess is eating out, it, it's really hard to avoid. I think you're getting it in small amounts somewhere. That definitely gives me a lot to research then. Yep, there you go. And grab some of that grab some of that glutarase and if you're not sure if you got some in a meal, pop one or two of those really helps cut down on the reaction. Let's see. Let's head off to Illinois. John, welcome to the program. Hi Kevin. Uh I have a good friend of mine. Uh he laid back on his uh amount that he eats but he the fullness feeling doesn't just creep up on him it's just there all of a sudden after he's eaten uh just wondering what would switch what that would cause that and maybe get it so the fullness feeling just creeps up on you 
versus smacking you outside the head? Yeah, you know, this is an interesting topic because most of us um, eating the standard American diet, our full signals are totally skewed. And that's why we see so many obese people and why people just keep gaining weight year after year after year. Because not only are we eating a lot of foods that are converted and stored as fat, we're eating more than we were ever designed to eat. And, and people, we've always been told, well, it's just willpower. Um, you know, if you're eating too much, you know, just step away from the table and stop. But it turns out it's not that easy. The hunger signal is one of our most powerful signals because without it, we would die. It's a survival signal. Your body says, look, I need nutrition. And we've screwed it up, one, with all the carbohydrates, all the processed food, but also the lack of nutrition. Because your body doesn't just want food, it wants nutrition. So because we eat such a nutrient-poor diet, our body just keeps saying, wait a minute, you might be eating, but I'm not getting the nutrition I need, so you just better keep eating. Now, once we clean up our diet, we get rid of all the carbs, we get rid of all the processed food, we get rid of the gluten, um, we get rid of the stuff that spikes insulin. Now our appetite should start returning back to normal, meaning when we need nutrition, our body will say you're hungry. When we get enough nutrition, your body will say we're done. You don't need to eat anymore. During that transition, it's people get confused. I mean, it is a change. You've been, you know, your appetite has been working one way your whole life. And now all of a sudden it's very different. So I, I'm not exactly sure what he's describing. I kind of get it, but this is a fairly complicated hormonal issue. We have two major hormones that control this. We have ghrelin and we have leptin and ghrelin kind of tells right. you to eat. You're hungry. Leptin says, Nope, you're done. You're good. You don't need to eat anymore. My guess is, you know, those signals aren't working exactly right yet. Um, okay. I would say just give it more time and, and see if it starts to normalize a little bit or if he gets used to it and he can kind of sense it better. Otherwise, what we would have to do is go in and do some hormonal testing. And you're looking at about 400 bucks to do that test. So I, I think he'd be better off just waiting a little bit. If at some point it's just really kind of interfering with things, then he might want to consider the, the hormone test to check for those levels and see if there's anything there. But I, I'm a big believer that if we keep doing the right stuff with food and we give it enough time that it's going to resolve itself. So I, I don't want to push people towards supplements and tests right off the bat. Let's give it some time, see if we can uh, get this to resolve itself. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to West Virginia. Ernest, welcome to the program. How are you today, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with? Well, I, I figured you'd be the best person to ask. I respect what you talk about, taxes and whatnot, and I want to know, I have a debt-to-income ratio problem every time I go get a bank loan, but I've got my business set up separate from my personal on the trucking company, and I want to know what you thought about that. Um, well, the business should always be separate from personal. We should always okay. – it, it may, maybe explain what you mean by that. Well, I set up this time around. I set up an LLC, and the okay. company pays a does a tax return, and then I do a ten forty for my personal income off of the business. So when I go apply for a loan, see, they want to see the business and the personal, but all they care about is gross. They don't care about your net, which shouldn't matter either way. But anyhow, they always say I got a debt to income ratio problem, even when they combine the business and the personal, and I don't really understand why. Uh, that used to not be the problem when I was younger. Uh, we were so, incorporated, not an LLC. Well, as an LLC, what kind of tax return is the company filing? Because an LLC doesn't have a tax return. It, it's either going to right. do I'm a, doing an S corporation. It's, it's like an S corporation. Yeah. Okay. S corporation tax return. Yeah. So then nothing should have changed. We, we treat an LLC that, that is taxed as an S-Corp, we treat it exactly like an S-Corp. There's really no difference. The, the reason okay. we use an LLC, it's a little cheaper, the rules are a little more flexible, but, but those rules don't have anything to do with taxes. When you are taxed okay. as, when you are an LLC taxed as an S-Corp, you might as well just be an S-Corp. Everything is identical. So what the... Okay. There's two ways that you as an individual receive money from this LLC. You receive some money as a salary or a wage. That's the stuff you're paying payroll right. tax. On. And then you receive some okay. as a profit or a dividend. Okay. Is that, and, and the, that's, the, that, that's the, the assumption. Yes. But I do it. I do a 1040 tax return from a person. Correct. And you're getting a, but well, you're getting a W-2 from the corporation, right? From the LLC. No, no, I haven't been for the last two years. I only do the 1040. I don't get a W-2. Well, hold, I, I, well hold on, because I, I want to clarify here. It's going to confuse people, and taxes are confusing enough. A 1040 okay. is the tax return that every individual in the company files, everybody. If Correct. you have, Correct. as a uh -huh. person... As a person, everybody files a, a 1040. When you make the statement, Correct. I do it. Well, hold on. When you make the statement, I make I do a 1040, not a W-2. That statement doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. Well, because I don't draw a paycheck. I don't draw. I don't draw that, a weekly paycheck. That's what I want to get to. I want to separate those two because that statement doesn't make okay. sense. Everybody who okay. has a job gets a W-2 then they file a 1040. The two go hand in hand. So okay. what you're saying is you file a personal tax return, but you are not drawing a wage from your corporation. You're not taking payroll and being issued a W-2, which there's the first problem. That That's just wrong. When you have a corporation okay. or you have an LLC 
taxed as an S corp, you have to do payroll. It's not an option. Okay. Okay. So whoever is doing your tax return that isn't telling you that, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. That that's, well, that's why I called you. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Um, if 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 you don't want to do payroll, then drop the S corp, file your LLC as a sole proprietor, and just be done with it. Because what you're doing now, you're getting zero advantage from the corporation, and you're actually in violation. So either okay. we either need to make the corporation correct or just get rid of it. And, and you can keep your LLC. You would just treat it as a sole proprietor, which technically is what you're doing right now. You're saying I'm an LLC and filing your taxes as a sole proprietor, which is fine. You can do that. But then the corporation shouldn't even exist. Okay. Now, the question is whether which one do we want to do? Do we want to keep the corporation and start doing it right? Or do we want to get rid of it and keep things simple? And the answer to that is how much net revenue are you paying tax on? Do you know that number? Do you know what the bottom line on the Schedule C is? Yes, on the Schedule C, it's usually it's usually $40,000. Get rid of that corporation. It is doing you nothing but costing you money. Okay, because I'm not making enough to really make a difference. Exactly. Until that bottom line on the Schedule C gets somewhere around sixty or 65000 that's when a uh -huh. corporation makes sense and we can start saving money. Up until that point, you're going to end up spending more money to keep the S corporation going, and it's not giving you any tax advantage. I see. Okay. All right. And now I was under the assumption the reason you done that was to protect you if you got sued. Is that correct? If you nope. keep everything well, separate, but nowadays that it, don't really matter. It's correct that people say that. It's not correct that it works in the real world. It just doesn't. That's first what I off, that's what I first thought. off, okay. yeah. But there's actually two issues here, and this is a good topic. We haven't talked about it in a while. The first thing we have to look at is do we need any protection? That's the, that's the first question people fail to ask. And I will tell you this okay. honestly in today's world, if you don't have a million dollars worth of available assets to go after, you probably don't need any protection. Attorneys are not taking okay. cases to court unless there's a million dollars available to get. They just don't bother with okay. cases smaller than that. It's too expensive. So in certain things, if all of your there are people with a couple million dollars in assets that don't even need protection. If if my money is tied up in a um, retirement account, a, what's called a qualified plan, an IRA, a SEP, a simple, those kind of things. If it's in a qualified retirement account, they can't touch it in a lawsuit anyway. So I don't need to protect that money if it's if it's okay. in my home. Let's say I have tons of equity in my home. In most states, they can't touch that either. So you might even have a million or two in assets. And if you're, if you're set up properly, they are already protected. If you don't have all those assets, then who the hell cares? Nobody's coming after you for the $6,000 of equity you might have in your car. You know what I mean? Most of us uh -huh. don't have enough assets to even worry about protection. That's step number one. Okay. Step number two, okay. 
just because you have an S corp doesn't mean you're protected. It, let's give the most right. common scenario for an owner operator. You do have assets or you do have a bunch of income and we think this S corp is gonna protect us. So we form an S corp, we put the truck and all the equipment in the S corp name. We drive down the road, we cause an accident, we kill or maim somebody and they are going to sue the corporation because that's the entity that owns all the equipment. But guess who was holding the steering wheel and caused the accident? You sure, did. We were. You can right. still be sued personally. Just like when you see right. these major accidents with company drivers and they end up going to jail. It, that They have I no think. protection. It was their individual action, not the corporation. It was them as an individual that caused the accident. They can still be sued. I see. Okay. All right. So it, it sounds to me like this was a good call today. I would dissolve that corporation for 2017 and I would just do business as a sole proprietor. Okay. Now to get back to your original question, um, I would That'll have to look at, yeah, it, it, yeah, I would have to look at a financial statement, but it will certainly simplify things when you're a sole proprietor because then what they're gonna okay. do they're just going to look at the bottom line schedule C. That's all of your income. Okay. They're going to match that against debt, and they just have a straightforward formula. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That helps me out a bunch, Kevin. I certainly appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's see. Oop, we're heading up into a break, so I will take us into the break, and we will get back to more of your calls and questions right after this. Check out the website lots of stuff going on. Hey, one of my big projects for 2017, I want to create online training courses, uh, truck stuff, maintenance stuff, tax stuff, fuel mileage, health, fitness, recipes, all kinds of online training courses, things like fuel tax. Uh, if you have an idea, something you would like to see, call me on the air and tell me or send an email to support at letstruck.com. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're going to head off to Nebraska. Dave, it's your turn. Welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What can I help you with? Kevin, we're going to, I called you a few years ago about running uh, one truck and two people in it. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember that or not. We were I do, actually. I, re I remember that because um, 
during all my years of owning trucks, that was the most profitable um, single operation I ever ran. I had a driver that ran the truck in the morning. I had another driver that ran it at night. They didn't run as a team. They ran individually. We slip seated the truck and we kept that thing running around the clock, but it was never more than four hours from the terminal. It was just an awesome operation. Pretty much what we've got an opportunity for again, we are going to add, they're actually my son's, uh, we're going to add another driver. We've got two trucks now, and we're going to have three guys, and it's virtually the same thing you're doing, So, or what you were doing. We're trying to figure out how we can do two trucks on profit gauges without trying to sound like a cheapskate. Uh, well, I'll give you the simple way is just to combine the numbers. You know, you just take okay. all your – receipt. Now, the, the downside to that is you don't see the individual profitability of each truck. So, you know, mm -hmm. you, you save a little money because you're just using one account and, and you know, totally up to you. And, and we tell people, if you want to save some money, you could take 20 trucks and combine them all and just and just enter it as one. The software will work yeah. just fine that way. You still see the overall profitability of the business. It's just if you mm -hmm. if you want to drill down and know which truck is most profitable, then you have to use the multi-truck version, which costs you a little more money. Then you separate the, the receipts and enter them individually. So it's really up to you. Um, if okay. you know, when I did my trucks, I always entered all three trucks individually. I could see a profit margin on each truck, which is what I liked. But there's no problem with just combining them and making one entry. Well, that's uh, my next question kind of terms on that too is, is uh, on your, your tax program, you know, for 2017, we're going to let you guys do that. Is it any going to, is it going to be any problem for you guys to do the taxes? It probably is not to do. Oh no, not if at we all. do decide to not use. Yeah. In fact, when we do tax returns, let's say somebody had 10 trucks and they wanted each one put into profit gauges separately and they do that all year long. That's for them, because when we go to do taxes, we're just going to pull one report with all the numbers on it to do taxes. Yeah, that's probably kind of a dumb question in a way. Uh, no, not at all. Redundancy. <laughs> no, no, not at um, all. It really it's a good question, and it just comes down to how much information do you want? Do you want to be able to look at each truck and say, okay, we've identified a problem. This particular truck is costing us too much in maintenance. Whereas when we start to combine right. trucks, it's harder to spot those individual problems. Yeah. For the money on, we'll kind of, we're probably leaning towards one per truck, but, uh, We'll kind of talk it over. I got another quick question for you on the, the previous caller. We've got a corporation, an S Corp, and eventually my sons are going to take it over. There'll be four of us in, in the corporation. Is that worthwhile, in your opinion? It, given, given what I know about your operation, I think you absolutely should be incorporated. Yes, I think there's an advantage right now. And when we want to talk about... Uh, business succession, meaning a business moving on, even at some point, you might want to retire and get out of it. A corporation is by far our best structure. 
it's the easiest business structure to bring people in and out of. If we want to bring somebody in, we can sell them shares that already exist. We can create new shares. If somebody wants to leave the business, they can sell their shares. It, it makes it really simple to, to grow or move people in and out. So absolutely, you're, you should keep your corporation. That sounds wonderful. We, 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 we fell into something here that we, we worked real hard. We got you to credit for it because we did the hard work. It wasn't all that hard, but we don't tell anybody that. And yeah, it, well, they, I, you know, it doesn't matter what you tell them. Most of the people will just think you got lucky anyway. Yeah. You know, and I tell you know, and they say you're lucky. I just say, uh, well, most 99% of the time you make your own luck. So there you go. Well, I, I always say it, it's funny, you know, it, it I, maybe I did get lucky, but it seems to me that the harder the work, the luckier, harder I work, the luckier I get. There you go, Kevin. Uh, thanks a lot. We're going to get on this keto thing as much as we can so I can get healthy and enjoy all this stuff. There you go. Okay, call me on that. We'll help you every step of the way. Let's go to Wisconsin. Ron, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your um, mind today? Well, I, I've been listening to you almost ever since you started. And uh, this grain thing, okay, I agree 100% people shouldn't eat grain. But I was, and I've been hearing it different places about stay away from the grains. <clears throat> so, I kept wondering what happened to grains because we keep getting less healthy and less healthy, and especially in the last 10 years. But we've been eating grain for, you know, thousands of years. About 10,000, yeah. So, so I, I can explain what happened. Yeah. Well, well I, this is – I wanted to ask you if you ever – I remember – Back in the 80s, I subscribed to Organic Gardening Magazine. And it seemed to me, <clears throat> I've tried to look the articles up on the web. I haven't found them yet. But every month, the guy would write an editorial about GMOs. And he was saying, this is the, the dumbest thing humans have ever done. It's going to ruin everything. And... <clears throat> Like I said, he was I'd correct. like to read him again because yeah, he, he was right. He was correct. So here's the thing. Let, let, I'll cover this real quick because we're going to run out of time. Um, if we go back to what are called the ancient grains before we started hybridizing them, which is a problem, and then genetically modifying them, which is a huge problem, we've created a, a new wheat that is worse for us than ever. It's much higher in gluten. It's much higher in protein. It's much higher in all the things that harm us. Then if we look back historically, we used to prepare grains differently. We used to, one, leave them whole, and we used to soak and sprout them. And when we soak them, that gets rid of a lot of the lectins that are in there and a lot of the anti-nutrients, the phytic acid. So by soaking them, we make them better for us. Then if we sprout them, we actually let them start to germinate 
before we use them, that also makes them much more digestible and uh, allows more nutrients to be absorbed. But soaking and sprouting grains is a lot of work and nobody wants to do that anymore. Um, even if you do all of those things, it will eliminate most of the problems we see with grains, but grains are still very high in carbohydrates. So we still have the issue of no matter if we use ancient grains, if we soak and sprout them, if we prepare them right, they're better. But I found that it's just so much easier just to eliminate them out of your diet completely. Well, well, I, I agree. I, I, I have eliminated them, but I said I put all the blame on GMOs just because of the, the way it's happened. It's like well, the last 10, 20 years, diabetes, overweight, childhood diabetes, all that stuff is ramped up. Whereas GMOs are part of it. Grains way before that. Right. What I'm trying to tell you is GMOs is all of it. No, it's It's not. I, I try to avoid using words like absolutes, all. It's not all of it. You know, we could take away, we could take all GMOs out of our current diet and we wouldn't see many of the problems go away. The problem is overly processed uh, food in general. It, it's the, a huge problem in our diet are bad industrial seed oils. Those have nothing to do with GMOs. It's that they're just horrible oils. We shouldn't be eating them. We shouldn't, shouldn't be eating all these processed foods. We shouldn't be eating all of these carbohydrates. We shouldn't be eating the high sugar content that we're eating. So I, I am with you on GMOs. I think they are a horrendous problem and we should outlaw them completely. But I don't think that you can say it is all of the problem. That that would be very misleading. There's lots of other problems in our food supply. There's the music. I've got to get out of here. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck. truck.